Welcome to the Child Free Wealth Podcast, hosted by Bree and Dr. J, Certified Financial Planner. Here we discuss life and finances as it relates to being child free. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your advisor before implementing any ideas heard on this podcast. Hey, Child Free Wealth listeners. So in the last episode, we talked about kind of like basics of investing. And we talk about a general rule that you only invest in things you understand. And investing in things you understand includes what you're investing in, how it impacts your financial plan, and where to keep it. So today we're going to talk about what to invest in. And I didn't warn Bree of this before we recorded, so um, I feel bad for Bree, but I'm going to give her a little quiz. Uh, so Bree just passed the Series 65 exam, which is the exam you need to become an investment advisor representative. And it like it's like way too deep into all the rules and the regulations and what things are and all that. But because she just passed the test, she's on the right place for me to give her a quiz. So I'm going to quiz her on what to invest in and see how she does. And you can all give her a grade in the comments, but I'm sure she'll do great. Is that okay, Bree? Yeah, let's do this. You got to watch this on YouTube because her smile's like, yeah, I'm going to do this, but uh, I'm not so sure where we're going. Is that? Yeah, I don't know where we're going, but, uh, you know, I passed my test a month ago yesterday, so hopefully I still still got it in my brain there. Um, And by the way, when you get into these tests, it gets into like like the the dates of the the rules and all these other like stupid stuff that nobody really needs to know, but you're required because that's what the government says. Yeah. All right. So, Bree, we're going to talk about what we have to invest in. So, the first one is what's a stock? A stock is a part of a company and it's just one individual company. So, you're buying a little piece of ownership of it. Okay. So, we own a part of the company. Why? Why would I buy a stock? For companies to sell stocks because they need to raise money to help fund whatever they're doing. And people would buy them because If you're buying individual stock, you're more than likely saying, I think this company is going to go up in value over time and make me quite a bit of money. And you really believe in that specific company. Okay. And with a stock, there are two things that we kind of like how we make money and that's, you know, capital appreciation and dividends. But can you kind of explain what those are? Dividends is what the company pays out to the shareholders. So anybody who owns a stock. Every quarter it can be, it just depends. They don't always have to pay them out depending on whether or not they've made money or lost money that quarter. And then capital appreciation is just the value of the company overall. So let's say, you know, this company is a low value company right now. They're they're new, they're just starting out. But over time they become really big and giant and the value of the company goes up. So that's capital appreciation because you can eventually sell it for a lot higher price than you bought it for. Yeah. And just for everybody listening. So a couple things to remind, remember, um, our parents, our grandparents used to love buying dividend stocks because they get that check every quarter or whatever it is. And like, that was like the thing, you know, I got my dividends and that's my cash flow. And now there's a lot of companies that don't even do any dividends, which there's a whole bunch of math and, uh, for my MBA, we had to actually do a whole course on determining a stock's value in like this giant Excel sheet on dividends and figuring out price. 
it all really doesn't make any sense anymore. But like, yes, there's math behind it. But some of the high growth companies, they go up in value, that's capital appreciation, but they don't have dividends. Now, the bonus is capital appreciation, you pay, you pay tax on that when you sell it. Dividends, you pay tax when you get the dividends. The other one to remember, just kind of one of those uh, data points for what you're investing in, with individual stocks and also ETS, which we'll get to the quiz question on that in a minute. I'm just cluing, bringing that we're going to have some questions, but you have an option for what they call a dividend reinvestment program. So when you get the dividends, it just buys more of that stock. Good way to set it and forget it rather than have a whole bunch of cash sitting in your account. All right, Bree. So what's a bond? A bond is buying debt, essentially. And you're buying money that will later be paid back to you and you're buying it at a discount. Okay. So a bond's a debt. How do I decide which debt I want? It's going to depend on your individual risk tolerance and your goals and so, what you need. So should I just loan Bree a hundred bucks and call that a bond? No. Do not what? loan money to friends and family and call that a bond. It is buying from like the U.S. government treasury system, something like that. Is going to be yes. So bonds, a bond. couple, couple things on bonds. They are tradable on the market. They have interest coming in. Interest, by the way, technical term comes in as a coupon because uh, it literally used to be a coupon book. You'd like rip off the coupon. And like, these are all old fashioned terms that really don't matter anymore. Um, treasuries, you know, when you talk about, you know, the U.S. government in general, that's a safe one. Uh, we're saying that now we're recording in May when the, the U.S. is still debating their debt ceiling. So who knows? This recording might be useless then. But the other thing you can invest in is corporate bonds. And depending on your age, you may have heard of junk bonds. Junk bonds are like companies that have high risk, but they give you a high interest because of the risk. Usually the higher the interest, the riskier it is. And bonds are usually what is the safer part of your portfolio. So you don't want to be taking a whole lot of risk on bonds. All right, so we got bonds, we got stocks. What's an ETF? Exchange traded fund. And those are a group of different companies that can be exchanged at any point during 24 hours in the day. You can, where other things you'll have to buy it and then you'll, you'll put your order in and you won't actually buy it to the close of that day. Exchange traded fund, you can say, I want to buy it right now. So you'll buy it for the price at that time during the day. Versus when the market's closed for the day. Yeah, ETFs, it's most simple. It's just a basket of stocks. Yeah, you can buy an ETF in pretty much anything. Um, you can buy the whole stock market. You can buy just, you know, I just want people that are working in the airline industry or what. There's all different ETFs. Um, some of the, there are also some fun ones. Um, we'll come back to ESGs in a minute, but there's some things around environment and social and governance. There's also um, the environment. ESG is kind of like, I want to save the world. There's also an ETF for, I want to drill all the oil out of the world. Um, there's also a fund for, uh, you know, we had talked about uh, influencers and tell you buy stock. Uh, Jim Cramer is very popular on CNBC. Uh, he's got his Mad Money show. There's actually what's called the inverse Jim Cramer, which is the opposite of everything he stated. Like <laughs> there are all different types of funds that are out there. Um the good thing is you're buying a little bit of everybody versus just one stock. The downside of buying an individual stock, and, and, and I'm 
not going to today talk about any particular stock you should buy or don't. I'm just talking about categories and structure. But if I buy an individual stock and somebody tweets and the price doubles or, or drops in half, that's really scary. An ETF says I buy a whole bunch of stuff. That way, hopefully, <laughs> one thing does not drive the whole thing down. All right. So, Bree, what about an ETF versus a mutual fund? A mutual fund is going to be more open-ended. So there's, you're constantly adding more, but you have to go through some sort of financial advisor to purchase mutual funds. Those are actively managed. Usually they're actively managed. There's some that they're, they're trying to do some non, so not so actively managed. Um, actively versus passively managed. What, what that means is you're paying somebody to pick stocks in and out of that fund. And you're going to pay a higher fee for mutual funds on average. Now, by the way, if it sounds like I'm caveating on a whole lot of stuff, because it's not always 100% on any of this. Like a stock is a stock, but a mutual fund and ETF, there's some like movement there. Your mutual funds you're going to find in 401ks because it pays for the fees for the fund. So like if you're like, hey, why can't I buy an ETF in my mutual fund? It's because they need to get the fees from the 401ks. But it also means you're paying more fees. You know, I've looked at some pe- some people's mutual funds and um, actually I got a real quiz question here. Uh, before I go to the fees, what is like BIPs or basis points or like these fee numbers that I hear all the time? It just tells you the percentage of fee you're paying, but they're written in like eight basis points or 10 basis points or different things like that. And all it really is, is what percent you're paying in fees. Yeah. So just to make this clear, because this is one of those confused me when I first like read it. If you're paying 1% in fees, that's 100 basis points. If I'm paying 0.10%, so that's 10th of 1%, that's 10 basis fees or BIPs. And if you got a fund that's paying, you're, you're paying 1% in fees, that means you're giving up 1% of your money, whether you make money or not, every year for the honor of having that fund. Yep. My goal when I'm helping people work on, you know, buying ETFs and other things, I want them to stay under 10 basis points, which is one-tenth of 1%. And you can usually buy pretty much about the same thing in a passive ETF. Now, an active mutual fund, people go, well, maybe these mutual funds will beat the ETFs. Well, if we go back to our last episode, we talked about the monkeys and the chickens that keep winning on the stock picking. Uh, Warren Buffett has historically had a uh, bet that said, hey, if you can beat the S&P 500 you know, regularly with an active fund, I will give to your charity. And he's yet to have given a donation because nobody <laughs> beats it in the long run. They might yeah. beat it a year or two years, maybe in three years. And then they have a bad year. You know, it's just one of those games. So, all right. So we had stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds. Now, um, we then get into the other stuff. Now, when we talk about investing, you have to understand what you're investing in. Keep in mind, real estate's an investment. So I I probably don't have to describe real estate as like property. Uh, but what I will say is that you there is an option. You can buy what's called a real estate investment trust, a REIT, which essentially says I buy what the other people are buying and they manage it. And the bonus there is you can invest in like residential, commercial, or 
self-storage or healthcare or whatever you want. You can invest in more things. So that's a way to get access to real estate. There's also uh, what we would consider as kind of a blanket thing of alternative investments. So, Bree, what's crypto? That would be an alternative investment. But what the heck is it? Oh, (laughs) I don't really understand crypto well enough. I just, it's it's what the crypto bros are talking about buying. I don't know. By the way, that's a perfectly (laughs) fine answer. Okay. Okay. Bree's over here thinking I I, I tricked her. No. Okay. Crypto. You're buying ones and zeros that then are in a crypto coin or a value. Now, there's some things with the blockchain and other things. There is something there in the technology you're buying. Is it an investment? Well, you buy money and it goes up. Actually, right now, the SEC is having a big argument on whether or not it is a security or an investment. I don't know. It's an example of an alternative investment. Does it mean I should invest in it? I don't know. If you are, we're going to do a very small percentage. Yeah, you know, like you talk crypto, but you'll see a lot of the experts talk about keeping 1% of your portfolio in crypto. So if it goes down to zero, who cares? And if it goes to the moon, awesome. Yep. I'm okay with that. Like if you want to take 1% of your money and like take it outside and let it on fire, I'm okay with that. Same with your investing. Um, alternative investments can be anything. So like we get into gold and silver. Uh, depending on which news station you watch, you'll see a lot of, you need to buy gold because of inflation hedge and all that. Okay. Um, the the thing I'm at is if you really think we're getting to a point where we're trading gold and silver, probably um, whiskey and ammo and tampons will have more value than gold and silver. I'm just saying, because we're talking about like end of the world type stuff, like food yep. has more value than gold. I don't know. I I have some gold and silver just because it's fun, but it's not part of you know, It's not part of my investing strategy. You know, it's just like I have a couple coins. Um, so that's another alternative investment. Some of the other alternatives, uh, art. Now, the hard part with art is you've either got the really good art that goes up in price or the rest. <laughs> There's nothing in between. You can also do things with like really high-end cars are an investment. Uh, cigars. I don't know. Like random things are investments in theory. They're not all managed by, you know, Security Exchange Commission or regulated or that. The other one we get an alternative investment, you talk about private equity. You, know, you get into hedge funds and all that. All right. A lot of that stuff looks cool. It sounds cool. It's kind of sexy. But I don't understand it. Like, I understand private equity, how it works. And I understand I watch Shark Tank, and that's kind of investing in companies. I get that. You have to be what's called an accredited investor to work in some of that. So you have to have a certain amount of money. If you want to do it for the fun of it with a little bit of your money, I'm okay with that. But you need to understand it. I think the hard part is people go, well, I saw this. I need to invest in it. And I'm like, maybe. Like, give you an alternative investment. Actually, it works out well. So right behind my house, there's hundreds and hundreds of acres of woods. And John Hancock, which is an insurance company, owns most of it. And all they do is timber. Cut trees, plant trees, cut trees, plant trees, cut trees, plant trees. They make a whole lot of money off it. Does that mean you should be doing that? Probably not. Yeah. Okay, but it works as an investment. Stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, that's going to be your workhorse. So those are what you're buying. 
And we're going to talk about, we'll talk about how kind of like percentages and different things. But I want to talk about kind of just this concept of passive versus active investing and what you can invest in. So passive investing, I buy it and then I forget about it. I mean, not literally, you have an account somewhere, like you check it twice a year and I sell it when I need it. Mm-hmm. If that sounds boring, that's because it is. That's passive investing. And, you know, we, we had given some book recommendations, but if you look at either the little book of common sense investing or the random walk down Wall Street, that's kind of where they're talking. Buy the whole stock market, set it and forget it. Um, you know, as we go down the, the Bogle path, down the Vanguard path, you'll see a lot online about a simple three fund portfolio. The whole U.S., the whole world, and some bonds. It works. Set it, forget it. Now, we can have some separate discussions about rebalancing and is it worth it or not. I don't know. But boring works. So if you're getting excited by your investments, that's a gamble. Yep. Have you gambled with your investments, Bree? Just using the one app. I did a little bit. But honestly, it's probably 1% of everything that I had. If I can do quick math in my head, yeah, probably 1%. Got rid of it once I realized that that was not the way to go and I was getting ridiculously high fees and doing it and getting hit with taxes because I had no idea what I was doing at that time. I switched it and now my things are boring. Yep. And when it comes to taxes, we're going to discuss that when we talk about where to keep your money because that's a big part of that. Um, The one other kind of spin on this I want to swing back to is ESGs. An ESG is something that they're saying environmental, social, or governance kind of saying, we're going to do the good things. And this is an option for you in your investing. And, and interestingly enough, there's a political debate on this one, um, on whether or not financial advisors can even talk about ESGs. Right now, we still can, but they're trying to outlaw it because I politics. And ESGs, there's lots of different ways to do this. You can pick which companies you invest in by their values. There's two different ways to do this. One is the ESG kind of opt out, which I call kind of the naughty list. They're like, hey, we're not going to invest in oil and guns and anyone that's like child labor or the UN. Like there's a guy that says like a whole list. That's like companies really shouldn't invest in. Got it. I happen to invest in ESG. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. It's just how I happen to look at it. That's one way to do ESG. The other way to do ESG is you do active managed where they literally go into every single company and say, what is this? What are they working on? What's the compensation of their board? Do they have good women representation? Do they have these products? Are they sourcing? Are they carbon neutral? The problem is we can get so far down that path that we can only invest in like two companies. Um, And for anyone that's ever watched a show, The Good Place, this is Good Place and ESGs go hand in hand in my mind. If you haven't seen The Good Place, I'm going to give you a spoiler, so you might not want to listen to this. But at the end, they have this scoring system that says whether or not you are good enough to go to The Good Place or you go to The Bad Place. And they found out that nobody's gone to The Good Place in forever. Why? Because everything we do in life then connects to something that's not so good. I buy somebody flowers. Well, in order to do that, they had to plant them. They had to put the the chemicals. They had to transport them. You know, the labor wasn't paid. Even though I bought my wife flowers, it's going to get marked as a negative because of the downstream effects. That's the problem with ESGs. 
is you have to figure out where you're willing to do the cutoffs. Um, for for the clients I work with, usually kind of the the naughty list is a good place to start. Kind of like, I just don't want to invest in the bad stuff. Uh, if you really don't believe in capitalism or any of that, well, I got nothing for you because <laughs> it just, it yeah. is what it is. Um, there's some points where like, I understand and appreciate your values. There's not much you can do in investing to match that. Uh, and, and they're trying to get better at that. But even the companies that are the best, you can usually find something wrong about them. Uh, so it's kind of a balancing act between how much money you want to save and how much you want. On the flip side, there are literally non-ESGs. There, you know, there's one for just, I just want to do oil and drill. That's an ETF. The downside is last year, now we're in 2023. Last year, oil stocks did very well. So if I'm investing in ESGs, there's no oil. I'm losing that. Yeah. But then I'm also polluting the world and, you know, carbon footprint and all that. I don't know. Like you have to make yeah. those choices to figure out the balance between what you're investing in and what it, and how it fits. I will tell you in your 401k, uh, you're probably not going to have as much choice. You're going to have what's called target date funds. Those are very simple mutual funds that say, I'm going to retire in 2055. I want to buy some stocks and bonds. I want to have more stocks when I'm younger, less when I'm, when I'm there. And we're going to talk more about that and how it impacts your financial plan. But you're probably not going to have ESGs uh, options in your 401k. That's the one they're actually fighting about in the politics world. Uh, so you can only do that in your IRA, your brokerage, other things. So, Bree, we, we kind of like went over what to invest in. Any general rules you want to share with people or like watch outs or like, hey, here was the biggest thing I learned? Yeah, don't buy something because of an Instagram post. I did that once. It was dumb move. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Real dumb move. We call that <laughs> you did something stupid. You pay the stupid tax and move forward. Like, just... yep. <laughs> by the way. I don't know that anyone on here can go. I've never bought anything because of social media. Now, might yeah. not be investments, but I bought some stuff on Amazon. I'm sure that I'm like, yeah, I got sold a garbage. Um, yep. Cleaning products are actually the one I usually do wrong. Because like I see it on social media, like this cleaning product is awesome. And then I'll buy it because it's like socially conscious, you know, non-environmental, doesn't destroy everything. Yeah. And I'm like, and then this cleans nothing. I have two bottles of it right over there, actually. Whatever the heck this garbage was. But like, that's the same thing. But now we're doing it with our money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thankfully, I am young enough that recover from that. But <laughs> that was dumb. Yeah. That was real dumb. And what you're noticing is Bree and I just talked about what to invest in. And we never talked about exact stocks, ETFs, mutual funds. You should buy this. You shouldn't buy that. Why? Because you have to understand it yourself and make those choices. Yep. You know, that, that's, that's the point. If your Finfluencer out there is telling you, buy this, remember, you're the product. They're actually selling you stuff. You know, you, yeah. they, they do influencing for free because they want to sell you something. And honestly, it's very irresponsible because they have no idea about your goals, your risk tolerance, your financial situation anything like that. And so to say buy this or buy that is kind of scary. Yep. 
That's why there's a few influencers that got hit by SEC for crypto with some good million dollar fines um, because they didn't do the due diligence on what they were selling. Yep. You know, very true. I mean, the generic concepts, you should have a diversified portfolio. Yeah, we can talk about that. That's like saying, like, I should buy everything. That makes sense. If I said buy XYZ stock, by the way, XYZ is not really a stock. I'm just making it up. That's where the problem is. So you got to watch the advice you're getting. If you have no clue what to buy and you've dove in, you've read the books, you, you can always pay for an advice-only certified financial planner to help you work on a financial plan. And with simple passive investing, you can set it and forget it and update it when you're 10 years older or whatever. Yeah. Now you're paying for advice. See, the difference is you pay for advice. You know, if you come to me as a client, I can tell you, buy this, don't buy that. Because you paid me for advice. We have a piece of paper that says, I've looked at your portfolio. I've looked at your risk. I've looked at your life. I've looked at your financial plan. And here's my recommendation. Mm -hmm. Is my recommendation going to be perfect? No. But here is a recommendation from a professional for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Versus... I got paid to do a brand endorsement for whatever and say you should buy that stock. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or the courses from people who have no education in finance and then they sell them and say, buy this, buy that. Yep. And I'll be frank. We have a course for child-free folks. We have 15 courses, 100 videos on how to do your finances self-directed. Um, 50 bucks a month. So we'll just might as well do the full ad. But here's the thing. All the advice in there is from a CFP and you've signed up as a customer and you do an assessment and you get a recommendation. Like you are an advisory customer. It's not just, hey, this is so-and-so wanted to, you know, make some money. Yeah. I, 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 I always wonder how some of those financial influencers get away with it. But I think really what it is is the laws are not caught up to technology, but, you know, I I just, I know at some point they're probably going to be, a, yeah, you should not say that. Um, yeah. But it's not regulated. You know, it's just, exactly. it's just it, I'm an investment advisor representative. I'm regulated. I'm a fiduciary. I'm required to do certain things. I have to follow all those rules. Same with Bree. But they're just on there, turn on their camera and say, yep, do this. I don't know. That's probably a separate conversation. We get to bash other people forever. But um, bottom line is only invest in what you understand. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or review. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Follow Child Free Wealth on social media or email us at podcast at childfreewealth.com. If you're interested in working together, learn more by visiting our website, www.childfreewealth.com. We'll see you next time.